three. Didn't get there. Looked like Jamal Adams may have led the charge from his safety position. Two. The Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. This is the Can't Wait podcast, our Jets pod here at The Athletic. Tim McMaster along with Connor Hughes joined by the world on YouTube. This is the first time we've done this live. It's exciting. Connor was late as we expected him to be, but... (laughs) But we'll get on with that. Um, Definitely subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also save 40% off a subscription if you go to theathletic.com slash can't wait. I mentioned that you may be watching us live on YouTube. If you're catching up on the podcast, that's fine too. But we're going to take some questions that we get during the podcast. But Connor... The whole discussion between me and Marissa leading up to this podcast was, oh, is there any chance Connor actually gets on at 10 a.m. to start this thing on time? It's now 10.18 a.m. <laughs> because your coffee brewed slowly or something like that? No, it's, man, this is just my life. I don't know why. Like, it's it's just it's how we're, like, I guess my cover's blown because, you know, when, when we do it audio, no one knows that the fact that every single time we sent this time and it's always like a normal time, like 10 a.m., 11 a.m., and without without fail, every single time I'm showing up at 10.03, 10.04, 10.05. And while we're starting this recording at 10.18, we were in place. We just had some technical things True. we had to work out and all that stuff. But yeah, no, I'm I'm uh, quarantine life. I'm, I've kind of just become now overly obsessed with coffee and changing it up. So like I know uh, one of my favorite local spots in Princeton that I go to all the time. It's like Small World Coffee or, or Whole Foods sells it. So I go and I get those beans, but I've been out. So I'm like, I haven't had a chance to go to Whole Foods again. So I've been going to ShopRite trying to find new new kinds of coffee i found this thing called pete's coffee which i've never yeah. had before i don't know if you think guys st have tried louis. That. i think pete's coffee is from st louis okay yeah it's not bad it's fine i mean i don't think it's it's my the small world's like my favorite because you get the beans you grind them up i'll do like french press without all that stuff but yeah i'm, I'm a big coffee drinker i have my coffee i'm be ornery and cranky and this whole time i'm just gonna be yelling and screaming and and getting mad at everyone so yeah i, I got the coffee now we're in place now i'm set we're ready to go and and uh day before the draft we'll, we'll talk some talk some football yeah, and we want to get your questions, so get them in. Uh, you can ask them on Twitter, Takana, or just in the comments section right here on YouTube uh, if you're following along. We'll get to that later in the show. This is fun. Basically, the reason we've been able to do this is because it's something we didn't really think about too much, but you spend no. so much time during this time on Zoom, in Hangouts, doing all these different things video-wise, and we thought, hey, it's easy enough to do it now that we have to know this technology just because of our lives Let's do the podcast this way. So we're yep. going to give it a go, and hopefully you uh, you enjoy it. Um, Connor's mustache. <laughs> you like that? I was waiting for it. I, I'm telling Marissa's you, Marissa's like, big mug yeah. of Maryland coffee, and, uh, yeah. and we're ready to go. Um, and so, the fish. And the fish. You <laughs> oh, cannot... and the fish in the background, of course. Yeah, sometimes you can now, hear them on the podcast, but now we can see them. So. Yeah, I, I like it. Now, we also have Marissa now involved in it as right. well. I kept telling her, like, we had to get her, like, more involved, like Baba Booey on the Howard Stern show. She, <laughs> like, our, our Baba Booey never talked. So now Marissa's involved. She's going to be monitoring. She's going to get in the questions. And like, you actually made a good point about the, the fish. Now the, the little uh, the sound effects that the bubbler and all that makes. We've got... Uh, That'll actually be visual. So now people aren't just like, what? Are you in the ocean? Like all that. It's like it's actually visible now. And and so is so is the mustache, which I, I might say it's got to it's got to go soon. But I, I, I made a, a bet with my friend when this quarantine started. I was like, you know, I'm going to try to fight off going on, on like the draft comes. And like, that's the time when like I could have to do TV, which if TV comes up on, on draft night, it's gonna be like, all right, I got to shave the staff. I can't go on with that. But 
we've reached the point now where like I have to wear a hat because my hair has looks so much like a mushroom that it's just big and horrific. I'm like, I can't, I don't want anyone to see me like this. <laughs> I don't trust my fiance enough to cut my hair yet when I could potentially have to go on TV tomorrow for the draft. So I'm like, all right, we're just going to have to bunker down and go with this. But look, I don't know. I'm kind of, I, I'm back and forth. I have days where I look at the mustache. And I'm like, you know what? That's a thing. That's you're going to make this your thing. And other days where I'm like, no, nah, this is going to, this has got to be a quick one. But my friend is also, he made the bet where he's not shaving until the end of quarantine. I have like all these patches where I can't grow a beard. So I'm like, I'll, <laughs> I'll go with the mustache. I'll see how, how big I can get the mustache going. Yeah. Let's get, know. uh, we'll tell us what you think. Uh, Twitter, you know, get out there. Tell no, us please don't. The please don't. <laughs> get the, you can leave that one out. You can leave that one out. Screen grab. If today. you're watching on YouTube, all that stuff. Uh, so we're going to get into the draft. The athletic actually had a virtual draft on Tuesday. Uh, all the beat writers making their picks in the first round for their team. So we're going to get into that a little bit, tell you how it turned out for the jets. We'll talk about Jamal Adams as well. I guess big news nationwide though, Connor, that we should touch on at least, um, first Tom Brady and now Gronk. It's kind of news because it happened yesterday, but uh, New England South is forming in Tampa. Yeah, I'll, we actually were joking about Dan Duggan, who co-hosts the uh, the Giants podcast. I'm in a group uh, group chat with him and Elliot Shore Parks, who covers the Eagles uh, for WIP. The three of us all all work together. Um, kind of, sort of, sort of, kind of like began our our professional NFL covering career um, at at NJ Advanced Media, NJ.com. We were actually all talking about that. Like, imagine being uh the bucks right i mean for i know they had that one super bowl title but for a while they've kind of just been like an okay franchise you know they don't draw like insane numbers of crowd they're always there you know sometimes they have a couple good years but they haven't really been good good since like the the john gruden era and even then that ended so sour and all of a sudden the football gods just come out of nowhere <laughs> and hand you this i mean you get the best quarterback that has ever lived and then all of a sudden everyone just starts coming and the gronkowski thing is just icing on on the cake but I'm I'm curious how that's going to work out for him because if you've seen Gronk lately, he's thin, right? And I mean, thin he's got to add yeah. weight. Yeah, and I actually remember talking to to Henry Anderson, the the Jets defensive end, because when he was uh, in before the Jets traded for him, when he was in Indianapolis, he had to he played in a 34 defense, so he was a 34 defensive end, so he was bigger, like he had muscle, he was bigger. When uh, that new coaching regime changed over. They switched to a 43 defense. So Henry lost a bunch of weight to play 43 defensive end as opposed to 34 defensive end. Well, then when he had to, when he was traded to the Jets, he went back to a 34 defense. So the weight that he had lost, that like 20 something pounds that he had lost, he had to put it back on. And he was saying that it's not, it's not fun. Like gaining weight when you're trying to gain the right weight isn't something that's enjoyable. So he, he's like, dude, I was like, oh, it was like burger pizzas. He goes, no, dude, it's like, absurd amounts of chicken he goes it's eggs it's protein shakes you're just constantly eating and you always feel like you're ready to basically throw up so it's not going to be super super easy for Gronk to just go back from I mean he looked like he was like 220 230 to getting back to that like 260 weight that he played with when he was just the most physically imposing tight end that I've ever seen play the game um so I'm, I'm curious how it's going to work but no I mean look if, if you're if you're the Jets and if you're Jet fans and if you're all this it's been a pretty good offseason because not only did you watch the the Patriots lose the 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 quarterback that has really been a thorn in your side for the next or for the last 20 something years pretty much basically two decades that now the tight end that had retired the year before is now not only back but spurning the Patriots saying trade me to someone else because I want to go play with Brady. So it's going to be fun watching that group play though together because you know the one thing you can say about Tom as as good as Brady has been Really, since that undefeated 2007 season when they lost to the Giants, there hasn't necessarily been 
a year where his offense from a playmaking standpoint was loaded with playmakers, right? I mean, they're just, he kind of always made do with guys that, that were out of nowhere that you would come in. He always had Gronk, which was big, but he never really had like the elite receivers. Well, now he's got Mike Evans, who's arguably one of the best receivers in the NFL. He has Chris Godwin, who is one of the best receivers in the NFL. And now you get Gronk, where if he's even 80% or 70% of what he was when he stepped off the field the last time, he's still a top 10 tight end. So it's going to be fun watching that Tampa Bay team work. Uh, especially, too, considering Bruce Arians is out there, who I think is one of the best offensive minds in the NFL. Yeah, and for the Patriots, uh, you mentioned he spurred the Patriots, but honestly, I would think Bill Belichick is probably like, yes, we would rather you not play here next year. Let me move up my seventh-round pick into a fourth-round pick and and see what we can do with that. So we'll see. Um, The Patriots basically get kind of an upgrade in the draft because of a player they thought was retiring um, and trading him away. So definitely interesting, and that influenced the draft a little bit. not so much Gronk, but but uh, Brady to Tampa Bay influenced the Athletics draft. So let's mm-hmm. set you up, Connor. You had the 11th pick, of course, like yep. the Jets. But this is how it played out in front of you. And this is actually going to be available on YouTube at some point as well, and, and probably the audio side too, the, the full first round uh, at the Athletic. But number one, Joe Burrow, no-brainer to the Bengals. At two, Chase Young, no surprise there. He goes to the Redskins. Uh, Jeff Akuda goes to the Lions at number three. It was kind of chalk what people expected at this point. Uh, the Giants had their choice of all the offensive linemen. They end up going with Jedrick Willis, uh, Wills from Alabama, Joe Judge, of course, the connections to Nick Saban. So that one makes a lot of sense at number four. At five, the Dolphins take Tua. Then the Chargers go with Herbert at six. So quarterbacks at one, five, and six. And then Carolina gets Derrick Brown at seven, the defensive tackle out of Auburn. Arizona goes with Isaiah Simmons, who kind of drops a little bit, the linebacker from Clemson that can do so much. So the Cardinals had to be thrilled. Scott Bordeaux making that pick for us at number eight. Uh, And then Tampa Bay trading up to number nine, uh, and they take Andrew Thomas. So here's the run on linemen. The tackle out of Georgia goes number nine. Cleveland at ten. Trades that pick to the Dolphins, yeah. who are looking to to get some protection for Tua, and they actually go with Tristan Wirfs, um, the offensive tackle out of Iowa at number ten. So then it goes to you at number eleven, and there's only one lineman back on the board. It's so one. it's yeah. is it Makai Becton or do you go with one of the receivers? And yeah. you went with I think the wise move. Yeah, it's Makai Becton. I mean, look, if this draft plays out the way that it did here for the Jets and and the way that our mock draft played on, like you said, it's going to be on YouTube later, the video side of it, because we kind of did the cool, again, Zoom, like we had everyone come into Zoom and, and it was cool. You know, we had guest appearances, people brought their kids. I don't have kids, so I brought my dog and my fish were in the background <laughs> like here. But um, this draft, I think, played out exactly how Joe, Joe Douglas would want. I mean, and I, I've written this a ton. I wrote this yesterday when we ran a story on the, on the biggest needs the Jets filled. Look, they need a number one receiver. They need someone that Sam Darnold can grow with for the next six, seven, eight years. His go-to guy, you know, the Jerry Rice to the Joe Montana. I mean, that's 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 what the Jets need to find at some point here. But that doesn't matter if you can't protect the quarterback. And it doesn't matter who's outside left and who's outside right and who's at the X and who's at the Y. If you don't have a T, if you don't have essentially a a front five capable of giving the quarterback enough time to find them. And the thing that I always go back to with with this, and I don't think it's talked about enough is that Sam Darnold's kind of already received the brunt of the negativity from getting hit so much. And, and you think about his rookie year and excessive hits and late hits 
let not not late hits in terms of illegal hits, but just getting hit, you know, later on in the play because he's got to hold the ball, uh, ball and, and all that fun stuff. But uh, led to the foot injury that cost him a chunk of time his rookie year. Everyone talks about the mono, but Sam Darnold from taking hits had to deal with a thumb injury, which then required offseason surgery because he took so many hits. The Jets need to stop getting their young quarterback beat up because it is not a good sign when through year one and year two, he's already missed time with injury or had to deal with surgeries and all that. You look at some of the most reliable and stable quarterbacks in the NFL. Look at Eli Manning. How many surgeries has he had throughout his career? How many games did he miss? Well, no, a good portion of that was the very beginning portion of his career. The Giants did a good job of surrounding him with talent. They went out there and they signed Kareem McKenzie, the old Jet on the right side. They added Sean O'Hara. They drafted well with David Deal, Chris Snee. I mean, they were able to put good players around Eli Manning to protect him, to help keep him upright. Yeah, he's a durable as hell guy. He's strong. Uh, But still, they gave him a good offensive line for the very large portion of his career before things kind of derailed late there for him. So I think that's what the Jets need to do. And if they're going to be able to get Mekhi Becton, a guy who is as physically talented as he is massive. I mean, what's the guy like six, seven, like three. I mean, he's a huge physically imposing guy. He's athletic as hell. He's fast that 40 time. You do not see human beings that big and you do see even less human beings that are that big run that fast. So he's athletic. He'll fit perfectly within Adam Gase's offense. He'd be able to do so many of the things that Adam Gase wants from his offensive line with Mekhi Becton. And I know that that one uh, red flag that's around him right now is that he maybe tends to be a little bit lazy. He had that that reputation sort of in Louisville that that was a problem. He did have a, a drug test flagged at the NFL Combine. That's a concern as well. But I think that those drug tests, if that's marijuana, it's a lot less concerning than what it was now with the new collective bargaining agreement where obviously you don't want a guy that is just going to be out there smoking all the time and taking this field when he's not in the right state of mind that's obviously not what you want but it obviously is a lot less conducive to drafting someone as it had been years past where you suddenly were talking about suspensions and all this crazy stuff that was going to come with a positive drug test for marijuana so uh, i don't think that's as much of a concern but i think that if the jets can somehow get this guy it'll play out pretty well and the one thing that i was kind of I liked seeing happen in this mock draft because yesterday was the day that I made actually in lieu of this, this uh, podcast is the day that I made a call to the vast majority of the sources that I have within the league. And basically just said like, Hey, look, I've heard this. I've heard that. Have you heard this? Have you heard that? What have you heard about the jets? Are you looking for this? Have you heard that? Blah, 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 blah. And one of the things that, I, that, and this is going to come on a story later today on the athletic where we're doing a giant uh, uh, notebook basically on, and everything that I've heard from talking to, you know, the dozen or so people yesterday and just dropping it in a notebook and saying, here, this is the rumors that are happening a day before the draft. This is what's going around. The two things that I heard is that is that one, uh, it sure does look like the Giants are going offensive tackle at, at four. I mean, that's going to be something that they're going to look to do is that they're going to go offensive tackle. Uh, no one has any idea of what offensive tackle is going where and where those offensive tackles are going to go, right? Because they think that it could be um, – you know, Wills first, Becton first, Thomas first. One thing I did hear is that a lot of people have been, and I've been one of them where I've kind of said like, oh, there's a gap between th- the top three tackles, Wills, Worth, Becton, and then Thomas. I heard from a couple people yesterday that's not necessarily the case and that, that for some reason, Thomas has kind of fallen back on people's, uh, the mock draft analyst boards. But the reason that he's fallen back is just because he's been under the spotlight for so long that he's been considered the consensus top tackle really since the beginning of, co- of the college season that 
everyone had talked about him so much that they started talking about everyone else that people just kind of started saying, oh, well, these people are so much better than Andrew Thomas, when that's not necessarily the case, that, that Thomas is still way up there. So there are a lot of people, actually two of the people that I talked to believe that Thomas will be one of the first or second offensive tackles off the board still, and the talent evaluators around the NFL value him a little bit higher than people are getting the, the sense of. But aside from that, the run on quarterbacks is one thing that will impact what offensive tackle is there for the Jets at 11. But the other two things, and it's actually exactly what played out today, is the trading up by the Miami Dolphins and the trading up by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I had that said to me by two people yesterday uh, about Tampa Bay trading up, and I had someone else telling me about Cleveland wanting to trade back and who's going to want to trade up for him. So I heard Cleveland wants to trade back. That's their goal. Uh, Miami then moving up like happened in our mock to get protection uh, for their young quarterback that they're going to draft. That was obviously a, a big a thing that happened in our mock, and I think that's probably something that's very realistic that they're jumping the Jets. And the other thing, obviously, is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers looking for a left tackle to protect Tom Brady, which I thought made a ton of sense moving up there to jump the Jets. And the Jets are that team that everyone knows they want an offensive tackle. And from talking to people yesterday, I am almost certain that the number one player that they are going to take at number 11 is going to be an offensive tackle unless all four, not three, but all four are gone. If all four are gone, then the Jets obviously can't take an offensive tackle. They'd have to trade back if they wanted to do that. But I'm almost certain that the Jets are going to go with an offensive tackle after talking to people yesterday. A lot of people around the NFL are almost certain the Jets are going to go offensive tackle. So that's why you're going to start to see teams try to move up there to nine, try to move up there to 10, to jump the Jets at 11 to get those tackles if one or two of them go to make sure that they get their guy. Now, where things get wonky is okay are the the arizona cardinals like in our draft they went with simmons am i right i think i, I heard i remember that correctly is yep. the arizona cardinals go with isaiah yeah, simmons, the linebacker the cardinals are a team that is kind of in that wide receiver offensive line mix they were a team that i because i started talking to people saying all right so where are the tackles going like where could you see the tackles going miami was one that i heard if they were to trade back tampa bay was one trading back the giants was one i heard trading back and that wild card is arizona because obviously if the giants go with one the Giants go with an offensive lineman. That means they're not taking Simmons, which then means, okay, well, what happens there? Do you go, is Simmons now suddenly start to fall like he did here to the Cardinals and the Cardinals take him? Do the Cardinals still go with the offensive lineman to protect Murray? Because if the Cardinals go with an offensive lineman, right? If the, the Giants take an offensive lineman, which is what's expected, they can't trade back. They're not going to be able to trade back. They're not taking Justin Herbert. That's that's not happening. If they take an, an offensive lineman, right? The Giants go offensive lineman. Then Cardinals go offensive lineman. Well, suddenly two of the top four guys are gone. And now if you still want Tampa to come up, if you still want Miami to come up because of how many first-round picks they have because they now want to get an offensive tackle to protect their young rookie quarterback, the Bucs want to get one to protect Tom Brady, you now have two teams that are trying to get a trade up and try to jump the Jets. The Browns are interested in moving back. There are other teams ahead of the Jets that would be interested in moving back. And that's the situation that could come to fruition where all four offensive tackles are off the board before the Jets pick. I never really thought it was possible but when I started talking to people, and I, I see, here's the thing: I never considered people trading up for an offensive tackle. That's something right. that was never on my mind. I never thought, oh, a team's going to trade up to get trade up and jump the Jets for an offensive lineman. Well, I was so I was like, oh, no doubt. I mean, you could have the Cardinals go one, the Giants go one, the Browns go one to protect Baker, and then obviously number four is there to the Jets. Well, if both the Giants and, like I said, if both the Giants and the Cardinals go offensive tackle, which is very possible, and then you have two additional teams trade up to jump the Jets. Suddenly, all those are gone. And I did have someone tell me last night because I reached out. I saw a rumor making the, the rounds on um, on Twitter about Jerry Judy's knee or something like that, about Jerry Judy has an undisclosed knee thing that's going to cause him to drop off boards and some teams don't even have him on their front on their first round board. I saw that like getting retweeted a ton. So I reached out to two people that I really trust 
uh, one NFL executive, another agent that's pretty well plugged in. Uh, both of them said they had not heard that at all. So the NFL executive had not heard that at all. It's, it's his job to know that. Um, he had not heard it at all. The agent had not heard it at all. That doesn't mean it's not true. It just means that maybe it's not as public as, you know, maybe that person says, I don't know. But from what I heard, that's not necessarily the case. But when I was reaching out about that, the one thing that I did hear was that they said that it's starting to gain some traction that if car, if the Arizona Cardinals go with an offensive lineman, the jets might look to move up in the draft that they might try to get to that number 10 spot that they might try to get up to that number nine spot to ensure that they get their offensive lineman. Because again, if it's offensive, if the top two offensive tackles are gone after the Cardinals pick, there is a chance that all four are gone by the time the Jets pick, and that's where things get really, really wonky. And like I said, I never really thought Douglas would consider moving up, but if all if all four – if it's looking like no, none of the four tackles are going to make it there at 11, which is possible and was relayed to me a couple of times yesterday, he might look to move up, and that's something that apparently is starting to make its its waves on the uh, the um, uh, NFL circuits, I should say, as, as teams are starting to, to hear rumblings that the Jets are, are starting to position themselves to potentially move up to, to get a tackle. That would be a killer as far as just the rebuild overall, having to give up picks to move up a couple of spots when you didn't think that would be necessary. Um, one thing that's interesting, though, if, say, it plays out for the most part, like the, and this is why mock drafts like this, where you have different writers representing each team making the picks, it's to me, it's fascinating. are fascinating because it's real. It's not a computer just saying, oh, this guy makes sense. Mm-hmm. So say you have this play out, but like you said, the Cardinals go offensive line instead of Isaiah Simmons. And then somehow Simmons could drop because then Bucks go O-line, Dolphins go O-line. So there's no offensive lineman available, but Simmons is available at 11, which nobody thought would be possible. But he, it's weird because talent-wise, he's probably number three or four. But yeah. for the Jets and what they're trying to do, he doesn't really fit that well, I think, because of what the strengths of this defense right now are what he, are, what he does. So yeah. it, it would be a terrible way for it to play out for the Jets to have a guy with that much talent at 11, but them just thinking, oh, but we really needed one of those offensive linemen. Now, one other thing from what you said that that helps in from this draft, um, the fact that the Dolphins move up to 10, they take Werfs because Werfs has played on the right side, and they have Tua, according to this mock draft, who's a lefty quarterback. So they could leave him on the right side to protect the blind side for Tua, and that allows Becton, who some people think is the best guy in this draft. Granted, he's he's kind of the big boomer bust guy because yeah. probably has the highest ceiling, but there is some potential because of that laziness um, that he could be a bust. But I think that plays out well for the Jets if that happens oh, yeah. because they I could I would imagine look just thinking of the Jets and Douglas, Becton is not ranked fourth among these linemen in their minds. No, no. Look, I mean, if, if look, the Jets are going to like all four of these guys. That, that's yeah. kind of what I came out of yesterday thinking is that the Jets will be happy with any one of these four offensive linemen. Do they have guys they would prefer? Absolutely. They would love it if Jedrick Wills fell all the way to him. It's just probably not going to happen. And they would love Becton because he's got the upside and his skill set, like I said, perfectly fits what Adam Gase wants in his offensive line because he likes the guys out and moving and all this stuff. I mean, that's why they went out there and they signed George Font from the Seattle Seahawks is they saw a guy who is ridiculously athletic and like when we talked to uh, Joe Douglas on a conference call not long ago, uh, not the one two days ago, but the one uh, previously before that, when he was talking more about free agent signings, he said that Font's athleticism is tailor-made for Adam Gase's offense. And that's what he wants, is he wants somebody who has that kind of a skill set. Well, Becton, uh, like Werfs, but but Becton especially, has that athleticism, that size, that speed, that strength, and he just needs coaching. And you know, he's a young kid. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna mature. You would think he would mature at least. And and I think that he would be a guy 
that the Jets would would absolutely adore. If he fell to them, they would be fine. But at the same time, I think they would be fine with any of these guys. They realize that they need a left tackle. And I think that, that you know, this is kind of one of those things when they signed George Font, when I started piecing a little things together, I was like, I honestly kind of think how this is going to play out is that the perfect situation for the Jets or the one that they would love is if they go out there and they are able to draft one of these offensive tackles, be it Thomas, be it Beckton, be it Worf, be it Wills, and then they put that guy on the left side. That's your day one starting left tackle. He's your guy. And then you can take George Font and slide him over there at right tackle with Chuma Daga and have those two guys compete for the starting right tackle spot because they want competition and they want all that stuff. And again, I think the thing about um, Chuma Daga that a lot of people need to realize is that I know he didn't have the best rookie year. He was kind of sort of a little bit of a developmental project. And when the Jets went south and the Jets went pretty sour uh, in that like, you know, one and whatever, one and seven stretch, I think is what they started. But they actually uh, gave Chuma the, the starting job after the bye. They realized they were like, look, we're not bringing Brandon Chell back next year. That's not happening. He's not going to be our starter. Let's get Chuma some reps now. Let's get him in there and let's start his learning curve now because the lumps that he's going to take as a rookie are going to benefit him moving forward. This is a guy that they believe has all of the tools to make it in the NFL. They love his size. They love his strength. They love his athleticism. He just needs to want it. He needs to come into this building whenever the building reopens, thanks to you know the, the pandemic and the Jets are actually allowed to get in the building and work again. He needs to get into the building and he needs to say, screw this, man. I'm going to be the best right tackle on this team and I'm going to win it. If he wants it, his athleticism will follow because he has all the all the traits and all the skills in the world to be a dominant player. But if the best way to bring that out of a player is have him compete for it. And the way that he can compete for it is with George Fawn on that right side. So uh, this is going to be interesting tomorrow, man, because I think that a lot of people, uh, this draft can change and switch and, and turn and, and, and all this crazy stuff. Um, really based within those like three through seven picks because if the can know maybe if the giants pull a total wild card and they are able to trade back someone goes up who knows i mean but the one thing that i will say tim is though it, it, you kind of mentioned is that if simmons does fall for some weird reason to the jets at 11 i don't necessarily know because if he gets past the cardinals at seven the falcons want to trade up for some like they have made this so known to everyone in the world that they are interested in trading up in the draft Simmons is a guy I think they want a corner from what I heard yesterday is that they they want to go up for one of the corners they don't think they're going to get the kid from from Ohio State who I still can't pronounce his last name because a lot of people believe he's going to uh to the um the Lions the Lions are going to take the corner from Ohio State uh Henderson the kid from Florida is a guy that's skyrocketing up draft boards I heard a lot of people the corner from Florida I heard a lot of people say that the, he's the guy that the Falcons like that they would love either the, the Oka I, I, I'm not even going to try. I can't. For now. I'm so <laughs> glad the Jets aren't going to draft him because I know I would screw it up all the time. Um, but they, I know that the Falcons would love to have him, but they realize that's probably not possible because the Lions are going to take him, that they would love to trade up from the kid from Florida. But if that if Simmons starts to fall, it wouldn't totally take me by surprise to see that be an option for the Jets, for them, to, for the Falcons to trade up, uh, move to that Jets spot, get Simmons and the Jets to move back to a position that maybe they can recoup an extra draft pick either in 2021 or 2020, and then they can get the receiver. And maybe if they get a second round pick again, they can come back in to get an offensive tackle at the end of the first round. But uh, obviously the worst case scenario for the Jets in this draft is all four tackles are gone. And I think that's why you're starting to hear that they're positioning themselves to potentially move up in the draft. If that plan looks like it might start to happen. And I don't think they have to go up too far. They would just basically have to go from 11 to 9 or 11 to 10 to just basically trade up to prevent a team from trading up and, and jumping them is what they would have to do. And I think they, they have the, the means to do it if they want to. And I think that that's something that they would probably uh, look into doing.
uh, absolutely, because again, they, they have to come away with an offensive tackle here. Because while there's not much of a difference between uh, Wills, Werfs, uh, Becton, and Thomas, there is a massive gap between Thomas and whoever you want to value, whether it's Austin right. Jackson or someone else as, as the fifth offensive tackle. There's a big gap there. Like there's a, a the the way the quote that was described to me yesterday was there is a massive drop between Thomas and the next tackle. So we were, we have more stuff in the rundown, but we've gotten such good response here uh, in the comments section, Connor, that we're just going to throw out the rundown and let so the that's viewers working. The kinda... I don't have that thing. I'm afraid it's going to start. I'm afraid <laughs> that if I click on the YouTube link, I'm going to start hearing echoes. So I'm not doing it, but it's working. So we're getting we're getting comments and stuff. I got some. some yeah. Live so we're going to throw out the rundown and let the viewers kind of run the show from here on out because plenty of stuff about your mustache is in there. So oh, <laughs> no. Is there? So, is there really? So, uh, so Marissa, go ahead, uh, lead us through these comments. Yeah, so we have a lot of good stuff. I will say, Connor, Doc Ad said, seeing Connor speak this much in person is even more impressive, mesmerizing slash scary than just listening <laughs> to him on the pod. And Rich uh, said, this is pretty cool. You should do this more often. So awesome. thanks for the well, comment. Like Lots of stuff about Trent Williams. We'll get to that. But first, yeah. Henry Freeman wants to know, is it plausible to get picks from Dallas for Jamal Adams? Okay, so here's the yeah. I kind of figured we were gonna talk. I the Jamal Adams. <laughs> we gotta thing, talk Jamal Adams. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's like the, the thing about Jamal Adams is like, if the Jets are going to trade Jamal Adams, and it's this is this is the same situation that was around during the NFL Combine, and it was that or not the NFL the NFL trade deadline. I'm sorry. Is that you need Joe Douglas needs to be blown away by an offer he realizes as he said on the radio i believe it was espn radio yesterday as he said he jamal adams is a core player he's a terrific player as he said at the nfl combine he wants jamal adams to be a quote jet for life unquote that's what he wants that's what joe douglas wants that's what his goal is that's what he's trying to make happen in order for that not to happen in order for him to say fine we're gonna let jamal adams go to the cowboys or the ravens who are in on him or any other team that would potentially want him he needs to basically be blown away to a point where he's like, Jamal's a hell of a player. He's a difference maker on defense, but we can't turn this down. And that package of picks last year, I think was a, if I, my memory serves me correctly, it was a first and two twos is what he was asking for last year. That is a ridiculous haul. That's insane. If anyone gave up a first and two twos for Jamal Adams, everyone has to take that. That is a ridiculous I mean, you, you have some quarterbacks that wouldn't fetch a one and two, two. So that kind of tells you how much Joe Douglas was valuing him. That val evaluation didn't go down. I mean, Jamal Adams finished the year as an all pro. So, I mean, he only got better as the year went on. He did what he did with the sacks and the difference makers. So again, it's the same thing. He needs to be convinced. So is it possible? Yeah, technically it's possible for a team to offer this. I personally just don't see it happening because... A, the Jets' asking price is going to be so high that B, I just don't think another team is going to be willing to meet it. And I think this goes down. A lot of people argue, and I've, I know I've seen this on Twitter and all that and, and all this about, and we've even talked about it uh, as media members in the media room about this when, when the whole Jamal Adams saga was going down, is that is, is, it, is it an argument of semantics, the difference between shopping a player and I'm always going to answer the phone? Is there, uh, is it the same thing as it, we're just arguing semantics? In my opinion, there is a very, very big difference between shopping a player and fielding phone calls on a player. And because when you're shopping a player, you are, you have decided that you are willing to trade that player and you are just looking for the best offer. So as soon as you get an offer that you believe is better than anything else you're going to get, you take that offer. That's what shopping a player is. That's why you put a player out there like the Jets did with Sheldon Richardson a couple years ago, where they were like, all right, look, 
We're looking to trade him. Who's going to trade him? What's going to be our best pick? They got it from the Seahawks. They dealt him away to the Seahawks. That's not what the Jets are doing with Jamal Adams. The Jets are basically saying like, look, we love this kid. We want to extend this kid. We want to give him a big contract. If you want us to trade him, you have to convince us that we have to trade him. And the way you convince them is by blowing blowing Joe Douglas away with a deal that is out of this world for Jamal Adams, that it's like, I can't turn this down. And that's the difference between shopping and, and just listening to phone calls. And ultimately, could the Cowboys get picks? Maybe. I mean, I, I, I just, honestly, again, if the Cowboys weren't able to uh, uh, throw out there a one and two twos last year or whatever Joe Douglas wanted last year, I don't think you're going to do it this year. So there's going to be talk. There's probably going to be speculation. People are probably going to say things like, oh, you know, the, the Jets had conversations with this. This person called about blah, 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 blah. That's going to happen on the draft. It always happens on the draft. But ultimately, I think that the draft is going to end with Jamal Adams still a Jet because I think that the Jets realize that – I think other teams are basically going to realize that the Jets are – the asking price the Jets have for this kid is so high that it's just not going to be worth them grabbing him. And, of course, then things shift a little bit from after the draft. It becomes, okay, do we extend Jamal Adams, which is another – whole story Connor because they don't need to they have him under contract this year they have the option for his fifth year they can franchise him I mean there's plenty of there's plenty of ways to keep him affordable for many years of course the the question with that is you got to keep him affordable and content and and not you know unhappy at what he's doing so that's going to be the next question though right this draft ends and the shift goes okay we still have Jamal Adams now, what do we do with him long-term? Is now the time? Do we wait? How do we keep him happy while we're waiting to extend him in a year, maybe? Yeah, and that again, that's where you're going to bridge the gap. And I think that this was brought up in in the conference call when we talked to Joe Douglas, and it was, it was fascinating, is that I've always looked at this as Jamal Adams wants to be the highest-paid safety. It's just a matter of how much he wants to clear that. So the current highest-paid safety is a kid from Chicago, I think is making 14.3 or 14.6 million annually. I think at one point, it might have been, the pre he beat the the previous high was 14.3 he got 14.6 something odd like that i mean it was i forget what it is it's it's right it's sub 15 million dollars is what the annually is what the highest paid safety so i was like all right jamal is going to want to be the highest paid the jets would probably say okay we'll give you 15 million annually but is that going to be enough for jamal is he going is he going to want 16 million what i never considered until this conference call and it's something that joe douglas wanted no part of the question for obvious reasons was does Jamal Adams want to be the highest paid jet? Does he realize that he is this team's best defender? Best off. He's not necessarily the most important. Sam Darnold is this team's most important player, but he is their best player right now that as the best player, does he want to be paid the most money? And if that's the case, you're talking about Jamal Adams asking for a contract that is worth more than the 17 million annually that CJ Mosley is getting. Jamal Adams is a hell of a football player. He is an unbelievable football player. He does so much for this team. He means so much to this team. The Jets would be out of their minds to give him $17 million annually. Mike McCagnan was out of his mind to give C.J. Mosley $17 million annually. Jamal Adams is a good player. He has two great play. He's a great player. He still has just two interceptions in three years. Terrell Basham has one interception, and he got it last year. So Jamal Adams has one additional interception than Terrell Basham. As dominant of a player as he is, you can't give that guy $17 million unless there is a ridiculous salary cap jump Next year, which some people are talking about, they're talking about the salary cap, the team salary cap increasing quite a bit next year, which if that happens and it goes up like 30 million or 20 million, well, then suddenly it changes because 17 million right now is not the 17 million on a $20 million contract. And that totally changes things, which honestly is why if I was Jamal Adams, 
I would just wait one year. I would just like just wait for the salary cap to go up to see what you're asking for. But it, it, it's going to get weird. I don't want to say weird. It's going to get interesting after the draft, like you said, Tim, when this is all done, Jamal Adams isn't traded, and he goes, I want my new deal. And then the Jets say, well, you're not getting it yet. And then all of a sudden it comes to how long is he, does he hold out a mini camp? If there is a mini camp, does he start holding out a training camp? He's not going to not show up for the season because obviously he's only making three and a half million dollars this year. He can't afford to hold out forever. And the Jets are probably going to stick to their guns. But this does have the potential to get messy. Um, I think that talking to Jamal Adams, whenever we get a chance to talk to him, will provide some, um, provide some, uh, extra clarity on how he's feeling specifically. This is just kind of like the initial, Hey, I want new money. So I'm not showing up to voluntary OTAs, but I'll be back for when it's mandatory. Or if he's really going to stick his foot in and like pretty much dig into the sand and say, pay me or trade me. And if he's going to say, pay me or get rid of me and give me to trade me to somebody that's going to pay me. Well, suddenly that's going to be interesting because I don't, everything we've seen about Joe Douglas to this point, everything we've seen with how he operates is that it's very smart and he has money set aside to pay Jamal Adams. And he has money set aside right now to pay Sam Darnold. But one of the most valuable aspects of drafting a rookie and hitting on a rookie is that you have that guy under control for four years, potentially five years. Very few players get contract extensions when you're not a quarterback after three years. Very, very few players get it after three years. I mean, I I went back and I looked. Jamal Adams' class, the only one who got it so far... um, uh, was a uh, Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is the only guy from... And that was from, like two weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. Christian McCaffrey just got it, right? And then the year before, the two years before that, the only players that got it after their third year were two additional running backs, not, not, not talking quarterbacks, were two additional running backs, and it was Todd Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott. Those guys, I mean, there's Jalen Ramsey was still waiting. Aaron Donald had to wait until I think his fifth year, right, for him to get his money. So like he, like they're, play, it's normal. Players have to wait. So I think that... Jamal wants to get paid for obvious reasons, but I don't think Joe Douglas is in any rush to pay him until after this season. I think after this season is when Joe Douglas, they'll start talking now. Joe Douglas will start talking to, to, to Jamal Adams agency saying, this is what we want. Jamal Adams says, this is what I want. And then you start to try to mend the fences, but I don't think there's going to be any crazy rush. I don't think there should be any crazy rush because again, the thing to remember about all this is as angry as Jamal can get as loud as he can scream as much as he can stomp his feet, all of that stuff. He has no cards in this. He doesn't have any leverage. The Jets have it all. They control him for this year. They control him for next year. They can then, I don't, they will never get to this point, but they could franchise tag, franchise tag him two years from now. So there's no, they don't, like, they, Jamal doesn't have, like, in Yannick, in Yannick's situation in Jacksonville, he cannot show up and not sign the franchise tag because he's not under contract. He played out his rookie year. Jamal is still under contract for two years, not tender. Not, it's a two. He still has two more years on his contract. So he can say, I want, I want, I want, but he doesn't have the leverage to actually get it done yet. Unless the Jets just want to be kind and say, sure, we'll reward you for what you've done so far with a new contract extension. Which yeah, and then everybody else lines up. Everybody else lines up after <laughs> that, right? <laughs> next week. Hey, you signed Jamal after three exactly. years. Exactly. Yep. All, right. yep. <laughs> All right, Marissa, what's next? Uh, so a lot of talk about Trent Williams. Uh, Justina Anderson yeah, I saw it. reported I just saw that. this morning. Yes. Yeah, so come on, Connor. Everyone, everyone wants to know: yeah. Could the Jets end up with Trent Williams? Everything I've seen, Connor says multiple teams. So that's the question, right? Are the yeah. Jets one of those teams? Michael proposed a fourth pick and Trent for the Jets' second round pick. What? What would? What do you think? Um, let me send one note to someone. 
See, in normal circumstances, we would pause right now yeah, and I, I, I look this up. And then yeah. you'd no, never I, I know just, listening to the podcast. I'm checking it. No, I figure, I don't know. I'm maybe maybe we'll get this answer um, in in live on, on Showtime. I just reached out to somebody that I know that's kind of close to that situation to see if the Jets are one of those teams. I, I saw that literally as we hit record. Literally, as we hit record, I saw Josina tweet something about Trent Williams. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have to look at that and check in on that. And then we started recording. So I was like, okay, I'll just do it after the, sh- after the show. But now I'll just – I've reached out to somebody now um, to see if the Jets are one of those teams. I don't know if – okay, so uh, from what I was just told is that the Jets have been one of the teams that have called about Trent Williams. They are one of the teams that have, have kind of stayed in contact uh, but the direct quote was that they're not believed to be one of the front runners that they're that things mm. are trending. So I can, I can confirm that, that this is, again, this is kind of cool. This is like literally right in real time. So you guys <laughs> can see how this actually works. Um, the, 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 everything that's out there right now about things are trending in the right direction is true. That, that things are trending in the right direction for Trent Williams, but quote, the jets are not one of the front runners right now, although they have called. So again, what that means and what this is going to come down to, um, with the jets is kind of what it's been for quite a bit is that the jets realize that they have a need at left tackle. Trent Williams would fill that need. The caveat to this Trent Williams situation is that, um, the caveat to this Trent Williams situation is that he doesn't, the jets would not, would not only necessarily have to trade a draft pick where they need their draft picks to fill holes. They would not only have to trade one of those picks for a guy who hasn't played football in a year and is kind of getting up there in age and all that stuff. But Trent wants a new contract. He doesn't just want to come play for a new team on his current deal. He wants a deal that's going to pay him $18, $19, 20000000 million annually for the next two or three years. I don't think Joe Douglas is willing to do that. So if this was just about, hey, we'll give you a third-round pick and we'll get Trent Williams, sweet. Jets get Trent Williams. But the fact that you also have to add in that caveat that he wants a, a contract extension and a substantial one at that, I don't think that that the Jets were ever realistically in the running once that was considered. And, and that's kind of what, again, I can confirm right now that things are trending in the right direction. Uh, what's out there right now is true, that things are moving that way, uh, but that Jets are not believed to be the front runner at this point in time. And that's per and with, source that's really plugged into this situation. And this is going to move fast, I would think, if he's if this is going to happen. Oh, yeah, it's tomorrow's happen. The Obviously before the draft, yeah. right, because then yeah. teams. And then the Jets can, fo- if this did happen and they did come out of nowhere and, and make this kind of deal, then the focus becomes wide receiver, I would think, with that first-round pick um, and one of those real, you know, either Judy or Lamb. All right, Marissa, yeah. what else is going on there on the tw- on the comments? Um, any update on Logan Ryan? Uh, oh, yeah, that interest? won't happen. None of that. Yeah, Jets, that, that's a that's an interesting name. The Jets will definitely be in, involved in that, um, certainly, after the draft. They Again, I think the things that Pierre Desir was a hell of a signing. Bless Austin, Arthur Mollette had showed promise last year for the Jets, but they cannot go into next year just expecting – them to be like stars or starters uh they're set at nickel they're set at one outside corner position i think that the the interest in ryan though is going to come down to what the jets do in the draft right because if the a player that they don't expect say the jets go offensive line in the first round uh second round comes around and and a player slides there that they have a corner that they have like a top 15 grade on that for some reason is there in the second round for them and they take that corner well suddenly that corner is your starter at one side Pierre Desir is your starter at the other. Brian Poole's in the nickel spot. And then you have two guys behind them and Arthur Mollette and Bless Austin, both of whom have starting experience from last year and had moments of playing pretty well last year. And Bless is a guy that maybe you can continue to develop if he can stay healthy. Well, if you do that and you sign a guy or draft a guy that you believe can start, you don't need to, to give money to Logan Ryan. You don't need to. 
However, if this draft unfolds, right, they say they go offensive line at number 11, receiver in the second round. In the third round, a pass rusher that they don't expect to be there. They go pass rusher in the third round. Then they go with, say, another receiver or another offensive lineman or something else in the third round. And they just, the right corner isn't there for them, that the right corner just doesn't happen to fall to them in the draft. And they never see someone they believe has 2020 starting potential. Well, then it's after the draft. You can go and you can sign someone that's a, uh, you can go and sign Logan Ryan and bring him in here. And suddenly, okay, you got Logan Ryan starting one side, Pierre Desir one side, Poole, and then you have the two guys, Austin and uh, Mollette behind him. But right now, the thing with, with Ryan is that the Jets don't know what's going to happen in the draft. But after the draft, and Joe Douglas confirmed this on his conference call, that they will ramp up free agency and their free agent efforts after the draft once they see which holes they still find. And I would assume that if they do not draft a corner within the first two or three rounds, because they're not taking one in the first round. If they don't draft a corner in the second round or they don't draft a corner with one of their third round picks, then you'll see them go out there and, and make a pretty strong effort to bring in Ryan. So that brings me back just to something popped into my head, Connor. I'm um, just thinking back to the first round overall and trade negotiations, the Trent Williams stuff, and the fact that all of this is made a little trickier because all of these front office executives and coaches are in different places, in their basements, in their home offices. So if it gets to pick 8, 9, 10, and the Jets see all the offensive linemen going off the board, like we mentioned, the, the possibility is there for that to happen. How hard is it to trade on the fly with the way this draft is set up virtually? We're going to find out. <laughs> We're going to find out because I, I don't know, man. I mean, I can't imagine doing that. I mean, you already have, like, guys in different rooms and one person in their house and one of the others. I mean, we I have enough problem, like, communicating with my friends what times they want to get on and play Call of Duty, let alone trying to execute a draft <laughs> between 17 people. So, I mean, honestly, like, I don't – I have – I have, it, it's that's a good question, Tim. I don't – you're going to find out. Now, the one thing I did, I did hear this from somebody yesterday because that, that was one of the things I was talking about was like this draft, how, how different is it? Because I was also asking about rumors, right? Because normally this is when draft rumors are rampant and you have them everywhere. You can pick up little tidbits on what this team's doing and that team's doing. You can take that information and you can share it to someone else and say, like, you can send it to somebody that you know with this team and they'll give you something on this. And you know, that's how that's how sourcing works and source building and news breaking works last year there was so much of that i mean it was i remember writing stories with that where it's like you constantly just have information in your head so one of my best sources I, I, I was on the phone with him yesterday and i said i was like yeah man i was like it seems this year's a lot quiet he goes no kid he goes it, it is it is much much different this year than last because the information just isn't out there because people aren't together usually you have it where you see this person at this pro day you see this person and all of a sudden the scouts start talking and this and the executives and all of a sudden it just starts spreading you get all this information that it's not super out there. But the one thing that one of this guy was telling me, though, is that what people feel is that there are teams in the NFL right now that that they there's going to be glitches tomorrow night. Like there's going there's that's going to happen. There's there's going to be a hiccup here or there. The NFL believes that they have enough people in place to quickly solidify those hiccups where it won't cause any you know dramatic issues. But the one thing that this source told me was that there are several teams in the NFL that believe that they have a distinct advantage tomorrow night in the draft because of the fact that they think they are more tech savvy than some other teams that they believe that because excuse me whether it's their setup whether it's their this whether it's their that they believe that they will have an advantage tomorrow night because they're more prepared for it not the drafting side of it not we're better you know i'm sure everyone believes they, they've scouted players differently and they know who 
but they believe that they're going to be able to manipulate this enough compared to some other teams where they're going to get it, where they're going to, they're going to have an advantage over that. So that it's going to be fascinating to watch, but no, I have I have no idea how it's going to work. It's I teams believe they can have it figured out. Teams believe they're going to be able to work it, but I mean, we're, you're not going to know until it actually happens and see how it, how it plays through. What thanks Marissa. Um, so we got a shout out to the fish tank, Connor. <laughs> I think they actually would like to a close up of the fish tank. Maybe we'll do that them. next time. I don't yeah, want you to. Time, yeah. I don't want yeah, you pulling of, your laptop off the desk and going black. Yeah. If I did Connor change my pajama pants. His... Wow. <laughs> Finally, I'm in sweatpants now. No more pajama pants. <laughs> uh, so Daniel has a bunch of questions about post draft free agency, undrafted free agents, and if There's you no think there will be a if you think there will be a higher number of players entering the supplemental draft than usual with huh. the college the college season potentially in question. That's fascinating. I never thought about that. That would be um Good question, Daniel. Very good question. Yeah, I I can check in on that for you. I'll make some calls, but I that's I never never I mean honestly like it's it, tomorrow's a draft. So uh, full steam ahead has been focusing on this year's draft which was right after free agency. So this is kind of like a hectic time uh, for information that I never really considered. Um, I never really considered the supplement, but that's actually fascinating because again, if a kid's losing his college year, why, why not just go pro now? Like, why not? Like, like, why would you come back for a college year when you don't know if that college season's going to be there? Can you just say, I'll enter the supplement? I mean, you could have some studs doing that. Like you could yeah. really have some, some really, really good players. So uh, that's a fascinating uh proposition and not only that but it's also be fascinating to see how the teams would play it because when you use a supplemental pick if i'm not mistaken uh, jets haven't really used one too too i know the giants recently used one on a corner i remember terrell Pryor was a supplemental pick i think it's like if you use the supplemental draft happens whatever pick you use in that supplemental draft you lose it the next year's draft right so if you use your third round supplemental pick you don't have a third rounder in the upcoming draft now uh, so i'd be curious to see how teams use the like use that means uh, I, I'll, it'll be very interesting to watch uh, that's a, that's a that would not surprise me if that happens, but I think also we've got a little bit of a gap here to figure out what's going to go on with with the NFL se- or with the, the college football season. But that's that's fat. That's a really good question. That's a great question. I never I never even thought about that. After the draft, I'll look into it. I'll definitely look into that. That college season also is it feels more and more in doubt just because we're starting to hear from college presidents that if the regular student body isn't back on campus in September, they're not going to just bring back the football team so they can play football mm-hmm. games instead of empty stadiums. So yeah. when I heard that, it made me a little bit concerned for college football, still hopeful, obviously months away and a lot can change. Mm-hmm. And, and it seems like the, the curve is, is being flattened here, but, um, but definitely concerning because you would think they're going to be ultra cautious when it comes to the general student body returning to campus. And if that needs to happen, then it's a lot of stuff to worry about about college football. Yeah. Go ahead, Marissa. Yeah. Um, so we're getting a lot of good questions. So thank you to everybody who are submitting them on YouTube. Um, Connor, what are you doing on draft night? Uh, good question. Going to uh, hang yeah. out in his uh, pajama <laughs> pants. Uh, yes, it's true. I don't, have to get, I don't have to get a shirt and tie on anymore for the draft. I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Uh, no. Uh, so basically, I can tell you kind of the way the draft works because I've covered – it's actually kind of cool. I've covered every draft since 2014. So I was in college at the time when I covered my first draft. And I when I got started uh, in this field, I was like I was covering high school sports for the Star Ledger. Um, but the way the high covering high school sports for the Star Ledger worked is that you had the summer off. So because there were no high school sports in the summer, so you had the chance to do whatever you wanted. So I had sent a, a couple clips out to different like fan sites to see if I couldn't get um, an opportunity unpaid. I, I wasn't looking for money. I was in college. I was just looking for clips. 
uh, to cover a pro team and potentially get a credential. So I emailed like five or six secondary outlets. Um, uh, my goal was to go Giants first because they were kind of closest to where I closest to Monmouth University. Then I was going to go Jets because they were second closest to Monmouth. And then I was going to go to um, uh, the Eagles because I'm from South Jersey. So the Eagles were like, I could at least cover them in the summer by easily getting there. And so I emailed like five or six outlets. I heard back from like Big Blue Interactive, SB Nation. Both of those places offered me a chance to get credentialed. So I was like, sweet, that's pretty awesome. And I remember doing this like before the summer because I figured I would just do training camp and stuff. And uh, they said, well, if you want to start writing now, you're more than welcome. And the draft is like in a couple weeks, so we'll send you to the draft. So like the Big Blue Interactive sent me to uh, 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 the Giants facility, the Quest Diagnostics training facility to cover like the first draft, which was Odell Beckham's draft or something like that. So I've covered in some capacity the draft from 14. Then I started covering the Jets. So 15 through present day has all been Jets after that first draft with the Giants. And um, the cool thing about it is that most teams operate it the same way, at least the Giants and the Jets do, and that all the media members uh, get to the facility, the, the team's facility. You go into the media room, um, watch the draft, literally with all your media members. The Jets bring in food, so you get, the best thing is on on, on uh, Friday you get the ice cream. Draft box. press absolute book. best part. Do, do we have the draft press box? Oh, they go rankings? all out. Jets, yeah. I'll tell you what, man. Like MetLife Stadium stinks with uh, with food. Like they're pretty right. atrocious. We know. The Jets cooking, yeah. The Jets cooking staff is, uh, no complaints. The Jets cooking, what the Jets feed us in the media room is dynamite. It is always good, always unique, always good. But that, that's neither here nor I can't, I can't get on that tangent. We'll be here for another three hours talking about that food. But uh, you show up, you watch the draft on TV with all of the other reporters. As soon as the Jets make their pick, they uh, conference call in the player that they just selected, and they do the conference call with the player. Then shortly thereafter, uh, the GM and the coach come down into the press, into the media room and into the press conference room, and they give a press conference. You get the quotes from those guys, and then you go and you write your story. And after you're done writing your story, you go back out to the media room, you sit down, you watch the rest of the draft until the next pick when you do it all over again. You just do that every single draft. On the days where there's multiple rounds, like on day two where there's second and three, and on the last day where there's uh, four through seven, the GM and the coach come down at the very end of the draft, not after each pick, but at the very end. Uh, for whatever reason, last year, Adam Gase decided he wasn't going to talk about the draft, which I think there might have been something going on there between him and Mike McCagan. I'm not totally, totally sure. But I think that's probably why Adam Gase decided he didn't want to talk about the draft with us. And just Mike McCagan came down, which was very, very odd because it's always the quarterback, uh, coach and coach and GM. Uh, the way that this year's draft is going to work is similar. The only difference is that I'm not going to be at the facility. So I'm going to be this is my office, but I'm going to be in our family room uh, posted up there with coffee and watching the first round of the draft making phone calls on the phone trying to track down who the jets are are potentially taking what people have heard uh i have a couple of sources that kind of that help out with leaking draft picks and get me the draft picks early so i can report those early and and say like hey this is who the jets took this is the jets took um and i'll be doing that and then the the difference is that after that pick is made instead of having uh the uh, first round pick conference called in we're going to do a zoom with the first round pick so the jets uh, media relations staff which were great with this set up a zoom so we're going to do a zoom with the first round pick and all the local media so we'll get to talk to the guy ask him questions yada yada uh at the end of the first round we're then going to do a zoom with joe douglas and and, Ad, and probably adam gase adam gase first or joe something like that it's going to work so the difference for me is that Instead of being at the facility, I'm going to be watching it in my family room. And instead of having a conference call, it's going to be a Zoom with the player. And instead of being able to have Adam Gase and Joe Douglas sitting there in front of you asking questions, they're going to Zoom them in as well, man. It's going to, it's going to be different. It's going to be weird, but it's going to uh, 
uh, change of pace because obviously I've done the same thing for the draft every year since 14. Hopefully the reporters remember to mute their Zooms when they're not asking questions. There is a 0% chance that that happens. <laughs> there is a, someone, every conference call with sports reporters, someone always forgets to mute their mic. Always. Yeah, that'll, it is always the case. Is it you, Connor? <laughs> no, no, not me because I'm always petrified that like, I'm going to do something super embarrassing with my mic unmuted. So before I, so as soon as I press the number to dial in, my second step is muting before I even put in my access code immediately. It's always, I'm, I will not do it. I'm petrified. I'm going to like burp or something like that. And everyone's going to hear it. All right. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, I think we've gone about an hour now. Great questions. Thanks for tuning in. This was kind of an experiment for us to see how it would go. And I think, I think this was a success, Connor. We're going to have to do it again. Yeah, I, honestly, I like it. And like I said, I think it's cool that, that this kind of allows, honestly, it's easier for you and I because now I'm not just waiting for you to stop talking yeah. based on your voice. And then it's like that I can actually see you to communicate. I think it also adds something cool where fans that are, are sitting at, you know, when everyone gets back to work or if you're still fortunate enough to be at work, they can kind of have it up on their monitor or whatever and kind of be watching it in the meantime and listening to it live to help pass the day when you're doing your daily tasks. And also it gets ba our Baba Booey involved where we can get uh, uh, Marissa, Marissa involved as well. So it's, it's kind of cool. I, I thought it was fun. It's different. I just have to make sure my office is always sort of tidy here and there's nothing like, you know, crazy, uh, like, you know, my hats are all off or whatever. I can, I can make sure it's all, all there and the door's shut so the dog doesn't come barging in. But no, I thought it was fun and, and cool and uh, definitely something we should continue doing uh, moving forward. Next time we'll do a close up on the fish tank. We can uh, name the fish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll go through. Yeah, there, yeah, there you go. We'll do, we'll do a Twitter poll with name, name Connor's fish. We'll do that. For more draft stuff, definitely check out Prospect to Pros on the Athletic uh, Podcast Network. Dame Brugler, Chris Burke are going to preview the draft this week. And then they're going to do uh, full recaps after round one on Friday morning, after rounds two and three on Saturday morning, and a full draft recap coming up next Monday. So great stuff coming up from them. You can save 40% off a subscription of The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash the can't wait podcast. Um, and, and obviously, if you don't already, follow Connor on Twitter at Connor underscore J underscore Hughes. And that dra the draft we talked about, the Zoom athletic draft um, that took place yesterday will be available also. So keep an eye out for that on The Athletic. Um, you can watch uh, Connor make that pick with dog in hands. So uh, <laughs> Yeah, Lucy good. made the appearance. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks to Marissa. Great job, Marissa. Thanks, guys. This was really fun. And thank you to everybody on YouTube for all of your comments. This was awesome. All right, we'll do it again soon. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. <laughs>